have you noticed on Twitter this week that there's been a lot of conversation about mustard-flavored ice cream? French's introduced classic yellow mustard ice cream flavor. Oh, God. What in the world? Mustard-flavored ice cream or the ice dog sandwich. Did you see that? That's Oscar Mayer's response, right? Well, it has candied hot dog bites, hot dog sweet cream, a cookie bun, and spicy Dijon gelato. I'm feeling very uncomfortable by the hot dog sweet cream. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, healthcare systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information and have fun along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Reed Smith and Chris Boyer. Welcome back to Touchpoint. This is episode number 131. I am Reed Smith, joined as always by Chris Boyer. How's it going? Pretty good, Reed. Happy summer to you. It is certainly ice cream eating weather, isn't it? It is. Oh, just, I still can't. I'm having a hard time ah. swallowing. Well, thanks for coming back for another week, another show. A uh, quick plug for the website, touchpoint.health is where you can find the show notes, as well as a little bit about all the other shows on the Touchpoint Media Network. Be sure to navigate over there. Let them know by subscribing, rating, reviewing over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might be listening. That's still the best way for everyone else to find out about the show and the other shows on the network. Today's going to be a good show. I'm excited about this. Um, I get a lot of questions. I say I get a lot of questions. I feel like there's some confusion around the idea of geofencing, geotargeting, you know, those, those types of things. And so I think this will be kind of a fun conversation. But before we jump into that, let's just take a brief pause and hear from a, a sponsor and we'll be right back. Using powerful AI-driven algorithms, Loyal's Guide helps patients along every step of their journey, from choosing a doctor and finding the nearest location to signing up for an event or clinical trial. Whether you are using Guide's chatbot, live chat, or the powerful combination of both, Loyal's engaging platform integrates seamlessly into your system, maximizes efficiency, and improves patients' digital experience. To learn more or schedule a demo, visit them online at loyalhealth.com forward slash demo. That is loyalhealth.com forward slash demo. Before the pause, Reed, you said you still get a lot of people that have questions around the differences between geofencing and geotargeting and all that stuff. And later on in the episode today, we're going to be talking to someone from OSF, and he's the director of digital there. And he and I had a chance to talk about uh, geotargeting, geofencing, and hyperlocal marketing. And stay tuned for that. But as we get into this, in general, the concept here is local marketing or localized marketing. Have you heard, have you heard that term before? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is something that I don't know that we ever put, I guess, a descriptor to it uh, or a title to it. But this is something that I I guess we try to do. This is our effort. You know, most people, and I'm not saying there aren't organizations out there with, you know, destination medicine type, medical tourism type uh, opportunities. But in most cases, you're trying to pull from that primary, secondary, you know, combined service area. 
And we talk about it a lot in digital because, you know, let's face it, frankly, most of the digital ads that we run kind of have a local flair to that, or at least, you know, many of them do. It's interesting when I started to do some research around localized marketing, it actually came from a concept that was defined many years ago, like back in the 20s, called local store marketing, or LSM, because of course, we need another three letter acronym. (laughs) LSM. I thought that was illegal. (laughs) So local store marketing, also known as neighborhood marketing, what we may actually refer to as just local marketing, is marketing strategy that targets consumers, customers within a certain radius of a physical like brick and mortar location, right? With certain marketing messages tailored to that particular place. The tactics obviously are are varied, but the idea is, is that it's, you know, it's about you know kind of hyper localization or that marketing message around that particular brick and mortar location. And when stores, you know, when we're thinking about brick and mortar locations, when stores, retail stores, uh, started to go much larger regions um, and then even national, marketing kind of followed suit with that and created this concept called local store marketing, where it's really employed by individual locations of a larger corporate entity, like a franchise store or what have you, to supplement oh, okay. some mass marketing advertising campaigns that are out there. So imagine, you know, when you go back and and watch the the old Man Men episodes, right? They were doing these mass marketing campaigns, but the individual local stores would continue on with their local store marketing. Oh, man, that was such a great show. You know, I binge watched that for the first time, not probably within the last year, I guess. And it's just a weird, comforting feeling to see them doing advertising for like a local department store. It's the best. Right. Franchises is a great example that you just mentioned. And so you have the mass marketing, you know, where's the beef, for example. Mm -hmm. Does that take us back? When was that? That's the 80s. 80s? Yeah, Yeah. the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, where's the beef? But then, you know, the idea that the local market, the local store, the local franchise would do something very specific through various tactics uh, to drive people into that specific location. Yeah, like so in the case of Wendy's, then it would be free smoothies Thursdays or whatever at, at this location of your Wendy's or whatever it might be, right? Yeah, or even sponsoring the Little League baseball team, right? Or the 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 program ad in the, in the high school football program or, or whatever it is. That's exactly where local store marketing started. But now when digital came on board, online marketing kind of also created this whole localized approach too. It could be run anywhere from like getting online reviews, making sure that your online directory listings are up to date, uh, social media platforms, communicating, engaging with people on social media, email marketing, search engine optimization. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's kind of under that bucket. The idea or the strategy here, or the whole point of doing this, is to differentiate yourself. I mean, you know, we mentioned Wendy's, but you know, so how do you how do you differentiate Wendy's from Hardee's from McDonald's? Well, Wendy's has the best fries, probably realistically, <laughs> but some of that's experience based, right? And some of it, so some of it's the experience, some of it's the quality of the product. In this case, food, but it's also to become. In most cases, when we think about this particular, you know, local store marketing is to become a, you know, contributing, you know, member, if you will, of the local community. So you talk about the the Little League baseball team or member of the Chamber of Commerce, you know, those types of things. You know, you have events at the store. The idea is to endear yourself to that local population. 
Right. And the whole point here is, you know, the strategies around encouraging either first-time customers that are coming to your store or engaging with repeat customers, just kind of reinforcing that you are a strong local brand in the marketplace. And by the way, when you think about strong local brands in the marketplace, clearly a hospital or a health system is is one of the strongest brands in a community, right? It is. It's, it's a funny one, though, because it's one that you don't want to necessarily think about or you don't think about it until you need it, you know, in most cases. So, I mean, there's doctor's appointments, right? But but typically for most people, unless you're dealing with, you know, a chronic illness, you know, you, you have something that maybe, you, you know, is genetic or something like that that you've had to deal with all of your life. It's a, it's a repeat or ongoing thing. For, for a lot of people, they're not dealing with a hospital, at least through their teen adolescent years, uh, until maybe they get married and even shortly, maybe a little after that, when they, you know, have a child. That that's a lot of times that entry point into the healthcare system. We're, we're people, you know, we're we're creatures of habit, routine, things like that. And so because experience is important, that's where a lot of this comes in because you you want to bring people in, you want to endear yourself to them. And then theoretically, you have repeat customer because they're showing up initially for something that's very positive. And like you said, we're creatures of habit. So the understated goal of local store marketing, or LSM, local marketing, whatever it might be, is so that in that routine habit of looking for things locally, that you're part of that routine. So yeah, you're right. I mean, healthcare isn't necessarily part of someone's routine, so to speak. But when it is, you want to have your health system brand top of mind. When we think about digital and when we think about you know the internet and all the things that we could do for digital, there's a lot of ways that people are using digital in a way that actually reflects sort of how they utilize offline, like the things in your marketplace locally, right? You not only drive by the same stores on the way to work or whatever, you're also kind of searching similarly. And some of those results are, are seen in, in some of this data that we're uh, tracking. Just like anything else, there's there's free and paid opportunities here. You you mentioned some stuff earlier, but when you start thinking about localized and you know local marketing or endearing yourself locally to to the community, you know the first thing that comes to mind for me is online reviews. Now, a little bit before that is just simply making sure the information about you online is correct. So a lot of times we call that directory management or online directory management. Are the hours of operation correct? Is the phone number correct? Are we maintaining these these online directories uh, in, to some degree, social platforms? And then the online reviews come shortly after that. Again, some of this is an overlap or it bleeds together quite a bit. You know, social communities and social platforms sometimes have reviews like Facebook, for example. Sometimes it's a Yelp or a Google placement, if you will, where the directory piece and uh, the rating and review piece kind of kind of bleed together. But those are all things that you can kind of help optimize to actually do localized marketing. And then you got this whole suite of paid tactics that you could do too, with local search marketing, local social marketing, geotargeting, geofencing, beacons. Uh, now, that's the first time I think this year we mentioned beacons. Ooh. There's a variety of other tactics, right, that you could use from a paid perspective to try to engender that. Now, why is that important, Reed? What are we seeing? This is where we kind of pivot really quickly to another article that we found called 40 Plus SEO Statistics for 2019. 
We're not going to go through all 40 of them today. There is a lot of information in this. And so check out the show notes when you go in here. It's not just local marketing, all of SEO. But there are a couple of stats around local SEO that are really interesting. When we talk about SEO, I think it's important to set the stage that the way people search is entirely different. It's not just a simple branded keyword, you know, trying to get to someone's website. It's important to understand there's these long tail searches. People are looking for very specific things. And again, making sure you have all this information correct online will help with that. So one of the first things Google says is that local searches lead to more purchases than non-local searches. They say 18% of local searches on smartphones lead to a purchase within a day versus 7% of non-local searches. That makes sense. I mean, that, that goes back to what, you know, I was kind of alluding to there, which is kind of like the near me searches, right? If you're, if you're typing in Starbucks near me, there's a good chance you're trying to go buy something. And in our case, that would be like urgent care center near me or something like that, right? Absolutely. They also talk about that, you know, 76% of people who conduct a local mobile search they visit that business within 24 hours. Again, totally makes sense. I mean, you're, you're trying to find a storefront, a physical location close to you. The, the chances are that the intent was is that you want to visit said location. That reminds me of way back when, when um, we were dealing with Yellow Book advertising, and Yellow Book would have a similar stat that said that you know um, 76% of people would call that phone number if they looked it up in the Yellow Book. And I was thinking, well, isn't that the whole purpose of why you're using Yellow Book is to find that phone number? I mean, <laughs> you would hope it's 76%, yeah, right? Yeah, I just love to thumb through the old Yellow Pages. And, uh, <laughs> but is, is that true now of Google? Is Google now our online Yellow Book? I think it is, right? It is. In this case, it, it is, kind of absolutely. bears it out. Another stat from Google says four in five customers use search engines to find local information. So that's back to that near me type of search. And we're seeing that more and more. And it's it's more than just near me. It could be near your, the city where you work in versus the city where you live in or whatever it might be. When I was working for a health system in New York City, we would have to get very, very hyper local with the different neighborhoods because most New Yorkers are pretty much bound by where they can walk in any given day, right? So they wouldn't take the subway across town for a primary care doctor. You want to get it to where they're close to that neighborhood. Yeah. And I mean, it's even, I mean, it could be where they're traveling to, right? I mean, people are taking trips or, you know, whatever it may be, business or pleasure. Another stat, 29% of consumers search for local businesses at least once every seven days. I believe that. Actually, that feels low to me. I'm surprised it's not a little bit higher than that. I do it all the time. Again, this is more like retail stuff that's in my local you know, routine. Maybe I'm looking for this particular store, the closest target or whatever it may be. But certainly, I mean, I do that all the time. That's it's almost like every day. Lastly, from Search Engine Land, they said that 78% of location-based mobile searches result in an offline purchase. That it makes sense, again, that you're using a phone to direct you to a place where you can make that offline purchase. It makes sense. I mean, you think about restaurants, you think about other local retailers, things like that. SEO, I think, has changed quite a bit over the last just handful of years. 
It's interesting to me that, you know, this has completely changed the way we think about our websites and our, and our digital properties and kind of what they're meant to do. Again, locals, you know, specific calls to action, things like that. I mean, it's, it's completely changed the way we have to think about what we're doing. Let's pause here for just a minute. When we come back, we'll, we'll dive into, you know, actually some tactical ways uh, that we can look to use local marketing. You care about simplifying the way your healthcare organization does business, and so do we. At Scorpion, our mission is to empower our clients to focus on things that really matter by giving them a simple, powerful, effective suite of marketing solutions for their healthcare digital presence. To learn more, visit us online at scorpion.co. So before the break, Reed, we were talking about the different types of trends that are leading to local marketing. We found another article that's pretty interesting. Uh, that's a v- very tactical way that uh, businesses can use local marketing to sell more. And in fact, that's what this article is called, Seven Tactical Ways Every Business Can Use Local Marketing to Sell More. You know, it starts off really, you know, by stating the obvious, why has this type of marketing, this localized marketing taken off? One reason specifically this article calls out, the Google algorithm uses a searcher's location to serve up the relevant local business. So Google is our primary utility that we use online, and it's defaulting right away. Every browser you go to defaults to whatever is local to you. So with that, maybe we should talk about the seven different tactics they outline in this article. Yeah, let's do it. So the first one that they call out is uh, simply rethinking your values. So the idea of thinking and speaking locally. Um, they say, according to uh, Wesley Young, he's a you know Search Engine Land uh, author. So if you if you haven't ever looked at Search Engine Land, that's an interesting one. So that's a side note. Customers believe that smaller businesses are better known for quality, personalization, and trustworthiness. And he cites a report from a company called Yodel, which shows that there are only two areas in which customers' perception favors national chains over small local business. Uh, One is stability, and the second one's pricing. And so that makes sense, right? Like you're going to the big box, the Walmart, the Target, Lowe's, Home Depot, whatever it is, because you can find what you're looking for the easiest, and and you at least assume that the pricing is going to be better, right? If you go to the local hardware store, the quality is there. They're selling the high-end goods, but it's going to be more expensive. And if you take on that more personal, local approach to your messaging and style across all your channels, right? Really what it's doing is it's saying that you are a local player in the community, but people just generally tend to have this perspective that your brand is better because it's a local brand. So don't get me wrong. When we think about hospitals and health systems, there is a place and time for this sort of large-scale nationwide advertising. And I think some organizations do that very well. But predominantly, when you're a local health system serving a local marketplace, you've got to think and speak and act as if you're a part of that community. And that can come in many different ways, Reed. I mentioned I work for a health system in New York. The tone and the voice of the content that we were publishing in New York was is a lot different than what's being published on our social channels or our digital channels here in Minnesota because it's a completely different audience. That's just such a innate thing I guess you should be doing. I don't know that we always do it very well, but yeah, absolutely. 
So the second one is to optimize your site with the right keywords. Now that makes sense. When we've talked about that before in this on the show, you got to use the right hyper local keywords for your site. There's a lot of suggestions that they have for that, right? Like you could create location specific pages and posts that center around those more, you know, expansive regional keywords, the long tail approach, right? So when you're creating a location page on your hospital website, make sure you put in the neighborhoods or the community that it's in because you're going to capture those searches, quote unquote, near me, so to speak. I wonder, you know, this kind of got me thinking, I wonder how much hyper-local keywords that we're using on our sites. Do you think that's a lot as far as hospitals are concerned, like regional and community hospitals? You know, I don't think we do. I think we rely too heavily on our addresses to be that regional marker, so to speak. I just know that from auditing multiple different hospital websites over the last 10 years, we still have the sense that people will know that this hospital in this particular city serves that city just because it has that in the address line. Uh, we, we need to spend more time getting hyper-local. Yeah, or we rely on like maybe the news-related portion of the website, you know, kind of press releases and event-based content, but yeah. There's two other tactics they suggest too. Let Google auto-suggest help. They're actually saying use what Google does for auto-suggest to kind of help with your keyword strategy. I've never done that before. Have you? No, well, yeah, no, no, not to any real consistency, I guess. I mean, yes, I mean, I'm sure folks at the different firms I've been in, they do that to some degree. I mean, it makes sense, right? Totally does. And then lastly, they say to use lexical or related SERP suggestions. And again, this article, we encourage you guys to go there because they have a lot of good resources that you can link to that kind of talk you through that. Lexical and related SERP suggestions are really using descriptive keywords in your search engine results page. And they show a a number of great examples where people were doing that um, to actually improve their SEO value. Third thing they point out here is to engage with the locals on social. I feel like that's a negative connotation. The locals, <laughs> engage with the locals. Anyway, uh, but be consumer centric. So 59% of those surveyed by Hootsuite say that they appreciate the speed and convenience of using social as a customer service platform. I've seen that a lot. I do a lot of reputation management for hospitals and community management. And it's amazing what people will ask through Facebook. It's almost disheartening, I'll be honest, uh, of what people are willing to ask. Like, man, who do you think is on the other end here? Anyway, and then also to use hyperlocal keywords in your hashtags, bios, and posts. That's one I haven't necessarily thought of. You know, hashtags certainly, but not necessarily hyperlocal hashtags as it relates to the content. But that's a great, that's a great point. In our health system, we have a, a, a certain program or service that really reaches out to the transgender community. And one of the things that we found on a digital perspective is there's a big online community that they could tap into. And by doing so, it actually, just by organically using hashtags, connecting with them, maybe even engaging with those communities that are online, that's really increased the the awareness of the service that we have. You know, I look at that, that's a very niche type of service that we're providing, but certainly that is one great example of engaging with the right locals on social to build up awareness for the, the capabilities that you're serving to your community. The fourth tactical tip they say is to get local testimonials and reviews. Mm. Now, this is where online reviews come into play. But moreover, they say that online consumers may have a hard time trusting glowing reviews of some of their peers. 
that likely won't be the case if the local reviewers and testimonials present themselves through those online searches. And by the way, Reed, I think this is the reason why Google is doubling down on having these local review experts. They're trying to build incentives around writing online reviews for these local people and having them establish themselves as a local trusted resource. This is a fine line for me, right? Like, I, you know, I understand the idea of, you know, the testimonials and the patient experience side of the equation. It gets a little funny to me when we're pushing that pretty hard. You know, making it easy for people certainly is a great idea. And I mean, you do want to see reviews from people that you trust. Obviously, we all do that on Amazon. You're trying to find the highest review score with the most, the highest volume. I don't know, though. You know, I mean, this idea of do we trust glowing reviews of our peers uh, unless it looks hyper local, I think makes sense. I think it would be harder to game that locally. And walking that fine line between testimonials and even influencer marketing, I think that there's kind of a gray area that you get into here. But certainly, I think that that's something you definitely want to consider. Number five, localize your ads. So a lot more of this is to come in the interview, so I'm not going to go too far into this. But certainly there's ways to target and place content, uh, i.e. ads, around the interwebs, if you will, that has to do local, right? So again, not, I don't want to step on toes there, and we'll, we'll leave most of that for the interview. Yeah, absolutely. And he goes into geofencing, geotargeting hyper-local advertising, a variety of different things. Um, So listen to that interview coming up very shortly. But two more last things. Uh, What's number six? And again, remember, this is about digital things that you could do for local marketing. Well, guess what number six is? It's actually sponsoring a local event. The thrust of this is that there's also online components of promoting the event. And that'll help you from a digital perspective. But they actually say that the more you get involved with local events, make sure that you're bringing that online. And that's through, you know, the use of hashtags again, even Instagram stories. There's a lot of online digital tactics that could showcase your involvement with these local things that you're doing. It does. I mean, we, we, we see this in the um, offline space for sure. We've done it for years. And so, you know, a natural extension would be online. And so anyway, it's an interesting one to look at. I'd love to hear from folks that are doing that. Absolutely. All right. So the last one. Target local publications. And so again, a lot of people think about like earned media value, things like that, uh, PR, uh, when you start talking about local publications. But there's a lot of overlap in their digital space, your digital space, their consumer, your consumer. So there's just a lot of opportunity there where, you know, I think you could kind of gear by rowing in the same direction, so to speak. That's a great, great place to look and to target. That fine line or that that overlap between PR and marketing becomes very important here. And that's why any digital marketer at a health system should be working hand in hand and closely with that, with your public relations team, because they, they go hand in hand. Absolutely. So much more now um, after the break, we'll go over to an interview with Mike and he'll share a lot about some of the advertising that he's been doing in a localized perspective. And he has some really great use cases. So let's sit tight and we'll be right back. Are you struggling with online reputation management? Binary Health Analytics provides healthcare systems, hospitals, and physician practices a complete view into managing patient feedback from online ratings and reviews and especially surveys. 
It continuously mines feedback for sediment, uncovering timely and actionable insights. Its management tools help turn these insights into an opportunity to increase patient engagement, manage reputation, and improve patient experience. To learn more about Binary Health Analytics, visit Binary Fountain online at binaryfountain.com. That is binaryfountain.com. All right, welcome back to the Ask the Experts section of our podcast. And today I am talking with a friend, someone I've known for many years, and someone's been on the show before, but not in a full interview. That's right. This will be your first time, and that's Mike. Mike Vujovic. 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 Close enough. We'll we'll spell it out in the show notes today. That's good. (laughs) Okay. I'll give you the phonetics on that. (laughs) Mike, you and I have worked together, we've collaborated together, and we've been in a variety of different conferences, and we've spoken together, et cetera. I'm excited to talk with you today about this topic, but before we get into it, Let's talk a little bit about your history. Tell people where you're from, what you do. So Mike Vujovic, I'm Director of Digital Marketing for OSF Healthcare. We're a 13 hospital, currently 13 hospital based system based out of Peoria, Illinois. We have uh, 12 hospitals in Illinois, one in Michigan, Upper Mm -hmm. Peninsula, Michigan. And we're an integrated health network system. So medical group, home care line, EMS services. I mean, and of course, hospital and ambulatory and all that fun stuff. So I oversee a team that uh, we do all the, both the organic and the paid strategies for digital web, social media. And I always make the joke that, uh, you know, if it's got the word digital, I mean, heck, sometimes I even get called in to fix the televisions. You never know what <laughs> what, what meetings they put me in. But um, yeah, and, I, and I've been in healthcare for 11 years, been with OSF for 11 years. And if you'd asked me 12 years ago that this was what I would be doing and what I'd fall in love with, I would have told you you were nuts. But I, I do. I love what I do and um, had a lot of experience in it. And I've been director for about four years. It's interesting how when you have the role digital in your, you know, it's like the modern day AV person, right? Well, it's even better. You go home for Thanksgiving and, you know, hey, can you help me with uh, my phone? And it's, no, that's not what I do, mom. You know, come on, mom. Well, today we're going to try to shed some light on something that I think is very confusing to our people that are listening into the show. And sometimes it's confusing to me too. So maybe you're going to help me set me straight a little bit, Mike. <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Yeah. I remember a couple years ago when I was in Peoria, we were talking about this. And still to this day, it's as, maybe sometimes as oblique as, as before. And that's geofencing, geotargeting, and maybe even like hyper-local marketing. I think all of those terms are sometimes muddled together. Do you find that to be true? Yeah. In fact, I find it fascinating. Uh, a couple years ago when we really started talking about geo, whatchamacallit, geotargeting and geofencing especially, the terms were intermixed. I remember being in a meeting and I, and I said, oh, we're going to be geofencing XYZ location. And they said, oh, no, 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 that's geotargeting. This other thing's geofencing. And I said, well, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense because you put a fence around a house and, a, you know, and they were like, well, don't try to make sense of it. Just trust us is what you call it. Since that time, the, the language has, I think, started to clarify. Mm-hmm. People have started to come around weirdly enough to what I originally thought. Geofencing in my mind is when you're um, doing usually paid advertising around a specific location. You know, a lot of people always say, let's target our competitor's hospital or something. Mm-hmm. A fence is something you would put around that block or mm-hmm. that building or whatever it may be. And then you deliver ads directly in there. 
geotargeting is really kind of radius based. So I want to target all people within five miles of Peoria, Illinois, let's say. Mm-hmm. If you think about the nature of the words, fence and target, it kind of starts to make a little more sense. At least in my mind, that's what I think. So geofencing, you're like within a location. And I see this a lot like with retail. You're like maybe even in a Starbucks or something like that where they're giving you an ad because they know you're in there and they're saying, hey, while you're here, try this 20% off this latte or whatever. The retail space, yeah, and to be honest, this is huge in retail. Unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, depending upon how you look at it, in the world of healthcare, we have to be very careful about what we can deliver while you're actually in a health care facility. Mm-hmm. So you talked about geofencing, you talked about geotargeting. There's one other thing that is also kind of interesting to me, which is like sort of this hyper-local marketing. I've heard that also kind of bandied about in this term. Maybe you could define that a little bit. So when it comes to hyper-local, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if it's the exact origin of the word, but there was actually a website it's out of Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. They're a news organization, and they kind of created this whole idea of hyper-local. And hyper-local, whether it's advertising or just hyper local experience, mm-hmm. right? Because that's another thing we're really being pushed to. It's kind of like geofencing, mm-hmm. but if I'm within this building, what is relevant to me? Mm. It is truly, I mean, think hyper, lo- hyper, right? Like local to the extreme. It's not, I'm in downtown Chicago, therefore I want a restaurant. It's I'm 20 feet from that restaurant, or even better, I'm in that restaurant deliver to me the menu on my phone, let's say. Mm. That's hyper-local. It's quite relevant. It's quite right down to the moment and the place you are currently standing. Mm. Okay, so I can understand how this can get muddled in people's <laughs> minds, and particularly those people not like us that are not as digitally minded, right? They're thinking oh, very about, much so. this is very much location-driven. It's very much focused on being able to map or target something into a particular way, but surely the application is where the differentiations lies. So I want to get into a little bit about this because at OSF, you're doing a lot of this, right? We do enough to know. We very much, we're data-driven mm-hmm. uh, across the board as much as we can be. And we're, we're also looking and, and analyzing that data. Mm-hmm. So we definitely use it in the paid digital space, mm-hmm. uh, geo-targeting and geofencing more than hyper-local. Hyper-local kind of, I prefer to look at that less in the paid space mm-hmm. um, and more in the kind of the experience space so you know a lot of people are doing things like mobile apps where when you step inside a hospital Mm -hmm. all of a sudden that app now delivers to you walking directions or the cafeteria menu or um, here's where your valet parking is located things like that beyond that when you um, are looking at you know hyper local for advertising Mm -hmm. it's a lot harder Mm -hmm. than I think maybe in the retail space it would be Sometimes I think about that in terms of wayfinding. Wayfinding can be a very hyper-local strategy. It's supposed right? to be. Right? It's supposed to be, right? You, yeah. you literally are standing someplace going, I don't know where to go or what to do or how to get there. Mm-hmm. Can't somebody send to me from above some way to go somewhere? Signage mm-hmm. is the original hyper-local, right? Like, which way am I going? Right. Arrow here, arrow there. That, that's the way I look at hyper-local more than paid. Let's go to the paid strategies, because obviously when you're paying for things, you want to know how to do that better, right? So in your experience, tell me a little bit about ways that you've used, let's start first with geofencing. Again, that's like mapping like an area and you're targeting people that are within that area, very specifically like a building. The number one spot where we use it and where we've used it successfully and it's been successful, and I've heard from other folks in the digital space, is really uh, recruitment. 
Recruitment is a big one because unlike maybe patient acquisition, if you were to geofence a competitor, and let's say you're looking for nurses, you kind of have a better chance of a nurse at a competing hospital who just, I don't know, she might be looking or he might be looking for a different experience. If you try to geofence, let's say, an urgent care center mm-hmm. that belongs to a competitor, uh, what we found is, you know, for like in the urgent care space, that it doesn't work as well because that person, first of all, is not feeling well. Number right. two, they're actually already sitting down right. there. Nothing's going to make them stand up and go across the town or go across the street or whatever it is if they're already kind of there. Yeah. Now, the experience later may be that, you know, they had a, a bad experience and maybe then they're, they're more apt next time. In the recruitment space, uh, we've been very successful, not only with competitors, we've had a couple of hospitals, also other services. In fact, in one of our markets, we had a prison mm-hmm. that was, they had announced that they were scaling back their um, infirmary. So there was nurses, there was like, a, I think like 20 nurses oh, wow. that were on the docket to lose their jobs. We had a hospital in that town. So we geofenced the prison with nursing recruitment. Mm-hmm. And don't you know, sure enough, we ended up getting some really good viable candidates oh. who were looking for jobs too. So it also makes you feel good because you know when you see those layoff announcements and they happen to be in your industry, I mean, healthcare, as much as we like to compete with one another, at the end of the day, we are a very tight-knit group. Yeah. So it makes you feel good to know we were still able to employ somebody who's got a, one of those skills that can still serve patients. Now, I could also see, like, if you geofence around a particular location, and maybe those people are there for, let's say it's a mall, right? And you are setting up a health fair and maybe giving, giving flu shots or doing free screenings or something, that might be a good application of geofencing too, right? They, they're there for a different reason, but they might serendipitously want to by your fair? Is that fair? You're absolutely right. Propensities, right? Mm -hmm. Thinking about, and sometimes it does take a little bit of thought Mm -hmm. to think about, okay, if if I'm trying to drum up business, let's say around pediatrics, Mm -hmm. where would mom and dad go? Because ultimately they're going to make those decisions for for the pediatric population. Maybe it is things like Toys R Us. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is things like the local park or mm-hmm. the park district if they're offering classes. One of the ones that we found was extremely effective in our Peoria market was we have a local festival around Christmas time. And a lot of communities have them. It's kind of a drive-through, like see the Christmas light type oh, yeah. parades. Yeah. And we actually geofenced the parade knowing that, and to be honest, where we live, it's tradition. You pack the whole family in the car and you go and you drive through and you drive. It's like an hour drive through all these beautiful just lights and trees and all, you know. For our pediatric program, we kind of dropped, you know, kind of geofenced and, and dropped some cookies, follow them around for 30 days. You know, we got really great results because, again, that's your audience. Now, sometimes you do have to look at your your analytics and say, yeah, I thought the daycares would do well, but let's say the daycares don't mm-hmm. uh, because maybe mom and dad have other things in their mind or mm-hmm. whatever, or they're not yet there at that stage in life where they mm-hmm. need that kind of pediatric care. Then you might say, you know what, let's turn that one off and refocus on some of those mm. more important ones. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Now, switching over to geotargeting, tell us about some of the ways that you've been using geotargeting. And again, now this is like taking a location and painting a radius around that, like a larger radius, right? Pretty much every campaign we do mm-hmm. with display or pay-per-click, SEM, we're doing radiuses, yeah. nine times out of 10. I mean, it really comes into play for office, mm-hmm. right? You open a new office, mm-hmm. if you, especially you know in Illinois, there's a lot of our uh, hospitals and our offices there in very small towns. Mm-hmm. Well, you're gonna do a two mile radius or a five mile radius because mm-hmm. you know 
the entire town lives within five miles or right. whatever. However, the one word of caution there is you have to just watch the numbers because sometimes, even if you do five miles in a smaller town, you might not actually spend your budget, which mm. on one hand is a good thing, but if you're looking, you know, I want so much impressions or so much impression share, let's say, they might say, you know what, in a town of 2,000 people, you're not going to get 50,000 eyes. <laughs> There's only 2,000 people. Yeah. So maybe you have to go broader. The other thing, too, is traffic patterns, mm. right? If a small town is sitting on a thoroughfare from one big town to another, and you know there's a lot of people who work in one and live in the other, you know, that's a perfect place to maybe go larger with your radius, capture some of those larger towns to kind of say, hey, on your way home or on your way to work, our office just happens to be, you know, in that pathway as well. well. Clearly we're not saying we're going to be advertising to people driving, looking at their phones here, right? That's not what no, you're no, suggesting, no. right? No, no, <laughs> uh, they're, they're already looking at enough. Yeah, they don't yeah, need our, exactly. But I think that's a really interesting point, right? Because we talk a lot about people that are choosing care maybe close to home or maybe close to where they work. And if you have some kind of situation in your marketplace where you're seeing those traffic patterns, that does make sense to maybe even extend your geo-targeting over that, maybe that corridor and we know for a fact, it's been proven time and time again, that geography and by extension convenience is the number one factor when picking out a provider, mm. a general provider, not a specialist, yeah. to picking out a provider or picking out an office. People, I mean, nine times out of ten, you know, they're searching within five miles mm -hmm. or maybe ten at most. And I say within five or ten of either work right. or home. Right. depending upon the convenience factor. So that's always the first thing they look at. Mm -hmm. Then they'll look at accolades and, and other services and mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. So geo-targeting becomes so much more important. Right. But again, monitor your numbers because, again, if you're in urban and you go 20 miles, mm -hmm. now you're just blowing money left and right because on not qualified late. Right. Smaller, more targeted. Sometimes you have to bring demographic and behavioral into it mm -hmm. and kind of layer those on top as well. I live in the Twin Cities, right? And so we have <laughs> urgent care centers and we, we draw, we're trying to really understand the right radius to put around those because there's a certain distance people will go to get to an urgent care center. Mm -hmm. It's almost like if you look at the map of all of our urgent care advertising campaigns, it's like these lily pads across the, the oh, Twin yeah. Cities, right? And that's kind of the, the model here, right? In fact, we just, we, we're in the process. Um, we Last year, we underwent what they call modern urgent care. So mm -hmm. uh, we had, we're we're, we're very close. I think we're up above 12, if not by 14 offices in less than a year that we've mm -hmm. opened these urgent new urgent care centers. A, a variety of uh, urban-esque retail-based. Mm -hmm. um, I always say it's like Starbucks invented an urgent mm -hmm. care. Like it's all about experience. Yeah. But when we were doing the targeting on that, we actually didn't use miles because, again, road systems. We used minutes. Oh. So we actually analyzed, okay, and we actually knew from focus groups that the population we were looking at and the people that would use this service, those primarily without primary care, who just need a stop and go type situation, acute care, it was within five to seven minutes drive time. Mm. Well, I will tell you, living in Illinois, seven minutes could actually be a radius of 10 miles, depending upon if you're on an interstate or you're on a... Sometimes you had to look at, but you're absolutely right. Sometimes you have to look at Okay, well, let's lily pad it, right? Yeah. Like within two miles of each one, mm -hmm. and then they all touch a little bit, right. you know. What are the other tricks that people should uh, consider when they're doing these? So another thing in terms of, especially in recruitment, we've done this, mm -hmm. um, but very easily you could do, what are those, I talked about the festival, but um, one of the things we did one time, don't, don't even think just in your own market. Our physician recruitment, right? Everybody, we know mm -hmm. there's, a, there's national shortages in nursing and physicians, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're trying to recruit a specialist, let's say, specialized neurologist, 
Well, the American Neurology Association and the American Medical Association and all these different, they have conferences once a year. So, in fact, one time we needed, we were looking for recruitment in neuro and the, like, I forget what the exact organization, but the, you know, American College of Neurologists, let's Mm say, was meeting, had their annual meeting, I think, in San Diego Mm. at a specific conference center. Well, our recruiters knew that because they were going to be there. So we geo-targeted, or geo-fenced, excuse me. See? There yeah, you go. There you go. That's a, that's something. <laughs> we geo-fenced that event center for that three-day period. And the cool thing is, especially if you're dropping cookies on the mobile devices, and we know we can follow them for 30 days legally, now they all fly home to all across the world, all across the nation, and they take those ads now with them, and OSF Healthcare... Mm-hmm. is now right in front of them. So smart. Yeah. And and, smart. and it did. We ended up with some very good qualified neurology leads to mm-hmm. kind of then follow up with. But then again, there to really think about who's going to be there, why they're going to be there, mm-hmm. and don't be afraid to test. And then, it's, you know, if it fails, cut it. Just right. cut it. Don't Don't wait for it to get better because if the initial numbers don't show right. it, you need to move on. Yeah. Hope um, is not a strategy in no, this case, right? <laughs> for sure. In the world of geotargeting, the big thing is, you know, we, we have some really great partners in, in our agencies. Really learn from them, rely on them. Don't be afraid to also tell them, well, I don't think this, I do think this, or please explain why you're going mm-hmm. with this. But really, always, always, always check your geographies. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say don't make sure they overlap, like mm-hmm. we were saying, but make sure they're the right geographies for the right audiences, just like you would for any campaign. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, make sure you double-check with operations. I've had a couple campaigns where we've said, oh, we're going to do, you know, five miles around every one of our hospitals. And it turns out two of the hospitals, their business plan was to downplay the Hmm. service. So when the ad started showing up, hospital president gives you a call and says, why are these running? We actually have a competing service that we're trying to get higher numbers for. Oops, sorry. Now, good news, call the agency, say, turn those off, and they do. Right. But... Always make sure you double check with your local too to that you're not stepping on something else that might possibly be there. That's really important and one that I've fallen into that trap <laughs> often, right? Where you're like, get it all set up and they're like, wait, no, we're going on vacation and our office is gonna be closed for the next week. Oh, okay, so yeah. put everything on hold. Check with your operations. It's you know, maybe one oh one, but it's actually really important. Yeah. Are there any other pitfalls or anything else that you might want to say to people that are maybe walking down this path? The only other thing, and this, and I'll say this about anything paid, um, don't ever forget the organic. I know you've done episodes on it before. I know mm-hmm. we've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. And you could probably do 100 mm-hmm. more episodes specifically on it. But, um, you know, your organic local. Mm. So don't forget those Google My Businesses. Don't forget making sure the data is accurate on your website. Mm-hmm. Making sure the content is valuable when they get to the website, especially in the paid space. The paid is just a net Mm-hmm. But if you don't bring it into a boat that's worth riding, right. the fish will go back to sea. You know, oh, that's the, that's nice the metaphor. metaphor. I know. It's the one I like to use, but it's, mm-hmm. it's absolutely the truth. Mm-hmm. So always, always, always make sure you've got home base taken care of. Right. Then you can go cast that net and bring people in. Right. And add those local words into onto your site. So if you have an urgent care at the center that serves these neighborhoods, absolutely. don't forget to include those neighborhoods and, and on your page itself for that organic search. It actually supports. It's in like phone numbers. Handshake. In phone numbers. Oh, oh. smart. Uh, and you know what? Here's, here's a big tip. Okay. Call the phone number before you launch the campaign. <laughs> you would be amazed how many times you call and it... This number is no longer in service. And you're like, oh, what? Always, always, always call that number and just double check. And there, too, check the call experience. Mm -hmm. Because if you get slammed into a menu Mm -hmm. and the menu is 30 items deep, Mm -hmm. well, now all of a sudden that person is 
they're, they're annoyed by the menu and they bop. So don't forget the experience on the other end too. Make sure that when they come in, it's easy for them to be able to do whatever it is that you've drawn them in to do. As we get more and more nuanced with our data and how we manage our data and being able to do more of this hyper, well, I won't say hyper-local, but this geo-targeting, geo-fencing, all of these different tools, where do you think we're going? What do you think, what's, gonna, what's the future look like? Two things that come to mind. The first one is the movement from geofencing, geotargeting to hyper-local mm-hmm. paid. Not in a patient acquisition way, but more in a, think about when you go in the mall, but think about a hospital. You walk in, and let's say the gift shop's having a 20% off sale. Well, that's not something that I, in marketing, am going to do a geo-target. You know, it doesn't rise to that level. But if, if that hospital wanted to put something like a Bluetooth beacon in, that as soon as you hit that door and you had our app or whatever, mm-hmm. I mean, monetary might be, you were offering free coffee over here, right? It's, it's kind of marrying the promotional with the experience a little bit. That's where I see some of it going, at least in the hospital space. Mm-hmm. The other way, and somebody was talking about um, voice search, right? Mm-hmm. So this idea of um, eventually Google might, it's not going to be pay-per-click. It'll be pay-per-question. So how do we as, you know, at some point when somebody says, you know, give me a, you know, what's the nearest hospital or what's the nearest urgent care or, you know, Alexa, I need a hospital with a really great cardiologist. Hmm. Eventually, we as marketers are going to have probably have to pay to say, Alexa mm. says, this ad is now sponsored by OSF Healthcare. And, mm-hmm. you know, and we're first before she also lists off the four or five, quote, organic. Then how does that affect local? Mm-hmm. So that's your other your other component. Yeah. Well, all I'm thinking about <laughs> is that movie Minority Report, right? Oh. I mean, we're moving to that world where they know you, they, they're personalized to you, and they're just beaconing all over you, and you can't get around them. Maybe even like 3D hologram oh, advertising. Personalization, right? Oh, yeah. That's a whole other layer. Like, so, <laughs> so it's not even just ads, but I do see us geofencing, geotargeting. We're already kind of working with personas. How do you layer persona onto local paid or even local organics so that when Chris Boyer walks into mm. an OSF hospital and you've been here before, welcome back, Chris. Mm-hmm. Because you're a returning customer, you get a free cup of coffee at our bistro. Where do you see personalization where it's, um, yes, you've been to our website. If it knows that and you're, let's say, logged in or the cookie for your login is there and then you see one of our ads or maybe maybe we even don't deliver ads to you if we know you're an established patient or not as many. Mm-hmm. Or we don't give you the need a new provider mm-hmm. because I already know that Chris Boyer has a PCP. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how do we start to tailor who's getting what ads at what points at what time? Because in theory, if you already have a PCP, why would I ever deliver you a PCP ad? Because it's going right. to be really tough because you love your doctor. Right. right? Most people love their doctors. They're not going to move, even existing patients. But let's say I know you're a patient of Dr. Gross, let's say Dr. Mm-hmm. Gross is retiring. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden I'm gonna show you, and I know where you live, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna show you new primary carers who have access or capacity or whatever, you know, right within five, five blocks of you, really tailoring that. So it's, I don't know, it's all gonna kind of come to a head at well, some point. the future might be here sooner than we think, right? But um, oh, yeah. now we're balancing between being creepy and being ultra useful. I guess we're gonna figure out exactly where that will be in the future. Yeah, So for Awesome. Sure. Well, Mike, I'm so glad that we finally got you on the show for a long form interview, right? <laughs> Instead of just a short form interview. 
learned so much today. You kind of help us set us straight. People listening in, they might want to know a little bit more about you and find you online. What's the best way for them to do that? Probably the best way, I mean, professionally, LinkedIn, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and again, my name will be in the show notes. Yes. So make sure you spell it right. <laughs> we'll spell it right. <laughs> uh, actually, I tell people, you only really need the first three letters of my last name and then you'll find me. Yeah. I'm the only one. <laughs> um, but uh, LinkedIn's a great way to, to network and, and I always say, if you have any questions about anything and you just want to rack my brain mm-hmm. about it, I'm an open book. Also, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I will tell you I, I don't do as much healthcare. It's more mm-hmm. geeky Star Wars and uh, related things, Game of Thrones, Downton Abbey. My Twitter handle is Master Jedi Vuj, V-U-J at the end there. So The Vuj. Yeah. <laughs> there you anyway. go. That's awesome. Well, Mike, thanks so much for being part of the show today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm gl- glad to be on. Anytime, Chris. All right, wonderful to hear from Mike, and uh, I think I'm now clear on the difference in geotargeting and geofencing. So that that's a win. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, but not really, but kinda. Anyway, appreciate having Mike on. Always awesome to have uh, folks practically doing this stuff in the space on the show, talking about it. Uh, again, if you if you know somebody that would be a great interview, let us know or a topic we can go track somebody down. Let us know. Let reach out to us. Yeah. Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever, whatever sees you. Certainly appreciate the support. And before we get to reviews and things like that, uh, again, quick plug for the website, touchpoint.health. Rate, review, subscribe over on Apple Podcasts, wherever you happen to listen. And uh, maybe just a quick uh, plug for where you can find us in person over the next couple of three months. Yeah, read next month in September, September 8th through the 11th, right there in your now hometown of Nashville, Tennessee, Shishman is going to be held, right? It is. The uh, Connections 2019, which is the annual Shishmed conference, is in Nashville, Tennessee. This year, if you're coming, let me know. Reach out, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever's easiest. Email, if you know my email. Got a special event going on. I would love to invite you to it. So let me know if you're going to be in town and would love to uh, love to connect with you there. Uh, the following month, October 22nd and 23rd, so just uh, a short mm, five, six weeks later, is the 2019 Mayo Clinic Social Media Annual Conference just uh, just down the road in Rochester, Minnesota, just down the road for you in Rochester, Minnesota, right? <laughs> That's right. Just down the road from me. Uh, others may be coming in, flying in, but um, it's certainly a great event. You can learn more about it at socialmedia.mayoclinic.org. And in fact, there's a number of blog posts of people that are going to be speaking there. I encourage you guys to go out there and take a look. If any of you listening in are going to be at the, the conference, let us know because both Reed and I will be there. We'd love to find some time to sit down with you, talk to you, you know, maybe even uh, do a little uh, interview for our show if you're interested. So that's October 22nd and 23rd in Balmy, Rochester, Minnesota. And then read, not a few weeks later, in very warm Orlando, Florida, you and I are also going to be at the Healthcare Internet Conference, right? That's right. Orlando, Florida, the land of Mickey Mouse uh, is this year's uh, HCIC. So always a great show. would love to have you there. We'll be doing the show doing some speaking and training and all that kind of fun stuff. And I would love to know if you're going to be there again, November 4th through the 6th in Orlando. Let's connect.
Yeah, so good stuff. Good stuff to kind of round out the year and take us through at least the first part of the holiday season. Uh, before we get out of here, though, uh, maybe some uh, recommendations. What do you have? Well, Reed, I am currently going through a website redesign project, and we're doing some UX UI design testing right now. And we are using a wireframing tool that a lot of people know about, but I'm going to make a recommendation because I don't think we've done it before. EnvisionApp.com. Have you ever used that before? I don't think I have. How's that going? It's going really good. Envision, I-N-Visionapp.com. It is a great online uh, interactive tool. It does a lot of things when you're going through the user experience. It's a very robust system. You can sign up for free and get a free usage of the tool. But as you expand it out, it really becomes a professional wireframing app. So you can create prototypes. You can uh, use these online prototypes as as you're building them to get you know, communication feedback right within the system. So people can put a little click on the your, your wireframe maybe and put a little comment on it and it just carries it right there in the actual tool itself. And then you can take that wireframe and start to build it into a digital whiteboard and even take it all the way through to, to, to a design stage through all of this. I mean, obviously at the point where you hand off the coding to people, that's a little different, but there's a variety of different aspects of it. I love it. We use it and it's just so much fun. I encourage everybody to go check it out. You know, now that I've heard you explain it, yes, I have used that, but I've used it in the sense that developers have shared stuff with me and our clients, design mocks, make them clickable, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, It is very cool. It's very cool. Uh, It's a great recommendation. I'm going to recommend a pair of glasses from Wealthy Shades of New York. Oh, Wealthy Shades, they're not expensive, so I'm not sure exactly why they're called Wealthy Shades. But anyway, I had somebody recommend, I thought, you know what, I'll try it. I'm on the computer all the time. But have you heard of like uh, blues or blue, you know, blocking glasses, blue light blocking glasses, right? So I don't wear glasses or contacts, but I'm on the computer continually or a digital device. And I thought, I'll give it a shot. You know, I talked about how great it was at the end of the day. You know, eyes weren't near as fatigued, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so I ordered a pair. So WealthyShades.com. And I got, just coincidentally, I didn't realize they were actually called this, I don't think, but the Workaholic Blue Light Blocking Glasses. <laughs> and you can get them in black or navy blue. I got navy blue. Uh, you can actually add a reading magnification to it if, if you so choose. But right now they're on sale for 20 bucks. They're great. Wow. They're, they're pretty cool. So I've had them for... Oh, maybe a week or so. And uh, yeah, I've kind of got, you know, it takes a few days when you don't wear glasses to get used to wearing glasses. They're great. They're great. Less less eye fatigue. So there you go. Yeah, I just went out to their website. They have other brands like the Blue Boss. Yes. And uh, Lincoln Blue light blocking glasses. But this is great. Yeah, I do wear glasses and I do have the blue filtering in them. So it's really good to have that. Nice. Yeah. I mean, because you can get headaches looking at the computer screen all day long if you're not careful. Yep. Or just working in the industry that we work. Well, very cool. Great episode. Another great recording. Great topic. Appreciate the support. Appreciate the listenership. And for Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith. And we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.